Welcome to the Mets Pod. On today's show, we break down the Carlos Correa deal falling through, what happened, how we feel, and what this means for the short and long-term future. As always, we close out the show answering your mailbag questions. So subscribe to the Mets Pod at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you can watch on SMY's YouTube, or wherever you get your shows. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mets Pod. I'm your host, Connor Rogers, joined as always by my co-host, Joe DeMeo. And listen, you know where we're starting this one off today, folks. The Mets deal with Carlos Correa has fallen through. He ends up signing a six-year deal with a lot of different layers with the Minnesota Twins. So Correa going back to the Twins, his offseason started signing with the Giants, moved to the Mets after plenty of issues with a physical he ends up back in Minnesota. So, Joe, let's bring you in right away here. I mean, this was something that dragged on as long as we've ever seen with a physical issue in baseball, it felt like. There were a lot of different uh, layers talked through of how to make this deal work to protect both sides. But at the end of the day, Carlos Correa will not be a New York Met. It's obviously a disappointing day i mean there's no other way to put it we were excited about the prospects of carlos correa batting second batting fifth like we were talking about this episode was going to be you know fantasizing what the lineup could look like with correa in it and now he's he's a minnesota twin and you know obviously everyone knows what happened with the physical the mets had a problem uh with the surgically repaired ankle that has the plate in there and I'm just going to say it based on reporting from John Heyman, which I'm sure there's going to be more information still to come out. But based on what I read and how I understood it, it didn't sound to me like the Mets really wanted Carlos Correa yeah, after they I saw agree. the physical. Uh, like, yes, they were, quote unquote, at the six years, $157 million, which obviously is $43 million short of what the Twins gave him. But supposedly, according to Heyman, the Mets wanted Correa to take a physical every year. So were they looking at it essentially as six one-year deals and then some vesting options behind it? That doesn't sound like a team that's overly motivated to make something happen, which all that tells me is the Mets doctors think that this ankle is deteriorating quickly. And you mentioned on the show last week that, you know, it's everyone believes he's going to be fine for five years. Maybe the Mets didn't think he was going to be fine for five years. And, you know, obviously only time will tell if that's right or wrong. Uh, but, you know, while disappointing, I think you can also look at it from the other side of the Mets are being, you know, firm in what they believe medically. We saw it with on a obviously much smaller level, but with the first round pick in Kumar Rocker, they backed out of that due to medicals. Correa, when, you know, everything fell apart with the Giants, it was a physical. We didn't really talk about like, well, what if the Mets flunk him too? We were just like, oh, the Giants got cold feet or or something weird happened there. And turns out the Mets had the same problem. And, you know, it's a credit despite how much money Steve Cohen has and his strong desire to win. He's not going to let that completely override a potential bad business decision. And Joe, kind of to piggyback off of what you're saying, he allowed the baseball people, which the medical staff is very much included in the baseball people of this, to do their job and rather than interfering and saying, I want the player no matter what. 
always go further than the competition, which was the Minnesota Twins, because we know both sides of this. We know Correa was ecstatic to be a New York Met, judging by his reaction of tackling Scott Boris. And, um, you know, we, we saw the, the baby wearing the I Love New York shirt or all the little signs. And we know Steve Cohen with how public he went with his excitement over this as well, saying this is a bat that puts them over the top that both sides were very interested in making this work, but you always forget the third side that isn't emotion. It's logic, right? The Correa side was a lot of emotion. The Steve Cohen side was a lot of emotion. The third party in this was logic. And you know, some people listening to this might say, Hey, we're, we're being Mets homers or we're siding with the team or whatever they want to call it. Let me make this clear. I would love to watch Carlos Correa in a New York Met uniform this year. I would like to watch him in a New York Met uniform for a couple of years. If the medical side of this said it was unlikely that he would complete more than 60% or whatever it was of the deal and that the risk was massive, you have to trust that opinion when all that money is on the line. So we'll, time will always tell with these situations, and we're going to get into what not having this money on the books for the next 10 plus years or whatever it could have been um, could impact the Mets in an off season where, you know, you have somebody like Otani, you have somebody like Machado being on the market. We'll get to that, but let's just break down for those that don't know what the twins deal looks like, because this is a, this is a pretty complicated situation, right? Correa ultimately gets the six year deal from the twins. The six years are fully guaranteed. Um, they, it's $200 million over six years. That extra $70 million is over four vesting years with the twins. So different things can activate that co this contract becoming ultimately a 10-year $270 million deal, which is not too far off of what the twins were reportedly rumored to offer in the beginning of the offseason of 10 years, uh, $285 million. He also gets a no-full trade clause in this twins deal which is pretty massive situation. The seven to 10 years per Heyman uh, vest with 575 plate appearances in year seven, 550 in year eight, 525 and 502 in those final years. So essentially, Correa has to play to have those years vest and become guaranteed. Correa, in a sense, I never like to say told on himself or doesn't have confidence in himself, but Joe... Correa chose the six years of more guaranteed money rather than the place he wanted to be with the Mets for less money, while the Mets also would have given him a chance to have the years beyond that pending him pass a physical. So basically what he's saying is, I need to take every last guaranteed dollar I can over the last half decade plus, because beyond that, nothing is guaranteed with his health. It's, it's, you really think now, like, did he really want to be with the Mets or did he want to be with the Mets because it was 12 years and $315 million. And makes things a lot easier. That, that make it easy to be anywhere. Really? Uh, I can't blame him. Look, if, if no. I were, if I were Carlos Correa right now, and let's say what Heyman is saying is true, how the Mets are trying to structure that deal. I would not have even considered signing with the Mets where I have to, you know, obviously he knows there's a plate in his ankle. He's not naive about that, but you know, he believes he's fine. He hasn't missed time due to it. You know, I think he probably regrets saying what he did after he got tagged on it in September and said that it vibrated and he was numb. 
like saying that publicly, he might have some regret there. But, you know, the Twins were willing to guarantee money and the Mets weren't. And I really think when it comes down to brass tacks, it's it's often that simple in pro sports. It really is. I mean, Correa got the deal he's been looking for, right? The the deal worth mega money um, that, you know, changes obviously your life and it gives you a home for the next half decade plus all of those things. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think this is kind of the point of the podcast where before we turn the page, I'll, I'll, I'll ask one funny one, Joe, because then we're going to turn the page and it's going to be all business. And we're going to look at this Mets team and the what now of the this offseason, the what now of next offseason, and of course this roster. But I have a couple choices for you of what your favorite Carlos Correa moment was during his Mets career. And you could you could write in your own at the end if none of these do it for you. You have one on your own. The one time that Joe, you enjoyed the news reporting nightlife, aka Joe was awake. When this happened, a stunner, or he was woken up, let's be fair. But Joe was awake when this happened. The news of the deal blowing up the Yankees slash Aaron Judge's news conference spotlight. Scott Boris talking about Correa, the Mets, Steve Cohen at the Yankees' Carlos Rodon news conference. The vision of Carlos Correa tackling Scott Boris in a San Francisco, San Francisco hotel room to celebrate being a Met, a man in his 60s. The trade Brett Beatty tweets at Joe. The second this happened, the last one here, the Instagram post of Kylo Correa wearing his I Love New York shirt. I'm going to say I'll go with me being awake. because That's that, absolutely yeah, mine. The yeah, fact that, that I woke up to you telling me the news really says it all. Yeah, I simply am not awake at that time. It was just a, a weird thing that happened that just woke up, couldn't fall back asleep easily. And it just so happened that the Mets agreed to a deal with Carlos Correa while Steve Cohen's sipping martinis in Hawaii and talking about it. And, you know, I mean, while we're on the fun subject, like I hope Steve Cohen learned a little bit of a lesson there. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't be talking on the record publicly drink, about things. Deal. Yeah. May, eh, you know, drinking and dealing can maybe be okay, but let's just uh, fantasy the football. It works in $300 million <laughs> contracts. It does not <laughs> just keep the, uh, keep the, public uh comments away until until things are official i think it's a lesson learned for him but it was a wild three hours of me being awake from you know 2 30 to 5 a.m and just how many people are on twitter at that time i had no clue like i i was tweeting and getting mentions like it was the middle of the day so i just live a different by a different time schedule than everyone else in the world, apparently, because Twitter was really hot during the overnights there. All right. Yeah, I don't I don't even know what mine is, to be honest with you. Definitely the the Yankee side of it was very funny because it, I, there's no way that that's why this was done. But the fact that it became such a subject was very, very enjoyable. So I do want to turn the page to. Really, what are the ramifications of this, Joe? Because when they got Correa, I think our attitude changed. I think a lot of people's attitude changed. This this season became the expectations were for this team to reach the World Series, right? And I think when you look at the Mets, you can have different conversations in a vacuum. One, in my personal opinion, the Mets go into this off, this upcoming season as a much better team than last year. If you are counting on Justin Verlander, to pitch more than Jacob DeGrom did. Um, if you are looking at the bullpen, 
that has some high-end pieces in it now, along with the return of Edwin Diaz. If you are expecting a boost from some young talent, which we are, whether that is Brett Beatty, whether that is Francisco Alvarez, whether that is Mark Vientos, one of those three making not a major impact, but some kind of impact, because neither of those three did were able to do that last year with basically no opportunity. And the fact that we believe in this rotation from one to five, the depth of this rotation as well. But then you could also have the conversation in a vacuum, Joe, that the lineup's not really different, to be honest with you. And that's even counting the fact that maybe you get a little bit of a boost from one of the young players, but they are running back the same lineup that didn't get it done when it mattered most. So I ask you this, Joe, is there a short-term move that they can make now that can give not a Carlos Correa effect to the lineup, but an improvement? Uh, or do you think that that ship is totally sailed as we sit here and get closer and closer to pitchers and catchers reporting? I mean, I'm not sure what's in the trade market. I mean, I think that's something to look at. I know Brian Reynolds is out there, but I don't know if the prudent move for the Mets is, you know, Correa was deemed a luxury by you, by me, by a lot of people. Steve Cohen said they needed it. Those are his words, but I didn't think they needed Carlos Correa specifically. We talked about needing some more thump in the lineup and Correa was going to provide that, but it's not like third base is a black hole for the Mets. I mean, Eduardo Escobar was fantastic down the stretch, especially over the last two months of the season. And he has a history of being a 20 plus home run guy. So in uh, Correa hit what 22 home runs, 23 home runs this year and Escobar hit 20. So like the power is, is possibly comparable. Uh, you have the prospects of Brett Beatty. Now we don't have to talk about Brett Beatty left fielder. We could talk about Brett Beatty third baseman again. Opens the door for Ronnie Mauricio. You, you know, he's a guy that won the MVP down in the Dominican Winter League. So there, there's not like a Carlos Correa move, I don't think, unless you want to kind of panic and trade something big for Brian Reynolds, which I think would be somewhat ill-advised. And you know, barring something surprising on the trade market, I would continue to try to improve on the edges. I would go back to our podcast from a month ago before Carlos Correa was even a possibility. Go sign Trey Mancini. Go sign Andrew Chafin. You know, I'm not, you know, a huge proponent of buying up a bullpen, but go volume. Got, yeah, go volume. They have a lot of arms and add a guy like Chafin, add a guy like Mancini, who should be an upgrade over Darren Ruff. And, you know, he could play first base. He could play left field. He could play right field. So you could tinker with some things. And, you know, when, when we think about this offense, there's no question that it did struggle down the stretch. And that is what matters. So, you know, what I say after this, I understand the most important thing is they didn't get the job done when they needed to down the stretch and they failed in the playoff series against the Padres. But this is a team that also was fifth in major leagues in run scored. So it's not an incompetent offense. And I think I'm seeing a lot of that out there that people are now like the offense stinks. The offense is it's no recency good. bias. Right. And and also, too, if you think about down the stretch, a lot of that was about Starling Marte, who missed significant time when he broke the finger. And, you know, we know how big of an impact he was. Uh, but it's definitely going to leave a sour taste in people's mouth, understandably, that they're bringing back essentially the same offense that failed down the stretch. But I think if once we separate, I think, a little bit from this Correa thing and, you know, we're able to have a, a measured look at it, I think a lot of people say, the offense feels a, a little bit light in punch, but it's still a good 
offense, definitely one of, you know, the top 10, five, whatever in baseball. And if they could get Max Scherzer healthy, they could keep Justin Verlander healthy. We talked about this all last year with DeGrom and Scherzer, and it just never really kind of came together for both of them for an extended period of time. That's what's carrying this team. You're not, the team's not going to be carried by the offense. It's going to be carried by the pitching and the offense just needs to be more consistent throughout the entirety of the season. And then in presumably the playoffs. Joe, let me ask you this. Do you think that we, we know what happened when the Correa deal got announced, how, how Cohen came out, you know, uh, I liked it, but puffed out his chest and, and felt like he, he was honest that the lineup, he thought the lineup needed this. Not that they, they enjoyed the idea of this or it, the lineup needed this was, was basically how it was worded. Do you think off of that, because sports, we always try to divide emotion and logic, and sometimes they blend together and it's the perfect storm, right? Do you think coming off of this now that Cohen does make a move fueled a little bit by emotion because of what he said publicly uh, and the Correa deal falling through? I sincerely hope not. Uh, I, I don't want, because that sounds like George Steinbrenner, right? And that's what yeah. George had his pros and he had his cons. One of his cons was if he was kind of mad about something or felt emotion, emotion, he would use that to drive to make more moves. And I don't want to see Steve Cohen turn into that. I think he's been pragmatic this whole time while aggressive. Like he's willing to spend, he's willing to give out obviously crazy money. The Mets are still going to have handily the highest payroll in baseball this year it's still not even going to be particularly close it's just a little closer than it would have been with Correa so he's willing to spend he's willing to do it I, I think he's been good about how he's doing it so I would hope they wouldn't do that but you know you could put nothing past him there's nothing in free agency that I think would warrant that kind of overreaction type of thing but you know do they call the pirates and say you know Brett Beatty's on the table for Brian Reynolds or something, you know, crazy like that. Like to me that I hope they're not thinking that way. And I think Billy Epler is the kind of guy that I think has Cohen's ear and would have the ability to hopefully rein him in a little bit. But I guess, you know, we said this too, right when the Correa thing happened, you just never say never with the Mets anymore. No, you don't. Nothing is off the table. And that kind of leads me to our last talking point here of the, What's next, even if it's not for the now, for the next two-year window? Joe, I wasn't much of a believer that signing Correa would impact a pursuit of a Shohei Otani, to be honest with you. I thought they were two separate issues, I, and Mets have plenty of money coming off the books next year. It didn't feel like signing Correa blocked a blockbuster signing for next year, not trade, signing. But do you think now we live in a world where third base – will be wide open after this season that a guy like Manny Machado could be on the table. Yeah. I mean, I think you're going to see what Brett Beatty does. You're going to see what Eduardo Escobar does this year. And at that point, I think you'll, you'll make your judgment if you need a guy like Machado, but I'm looking at this, like you said, when, when the agreement with Correa came about, you and I both said it, this doesn't impact their ability to pursue Shohei Otani next off season, but not having Carlos Correa definitely impacts their ability to go after Shohei Otani. Steve Cohen has a $315 million down payment already in, in tow for Shohei Otani. 
And that is going to be, that's going to be a sight to watch next off season where you have a motivated Dodgers team who have basically withheld spending this off season in preparation of a pursuit of Shohei Otani this coming off season and Steve Cohen and the Mets who he has more money than anybody else. He just, you know, gets a bit of a black eye from everything that happened with Correa and that falling through. Like you're saying the over under at $500 million at this point for Otani. I, I don't, I can't see it even being less than that right now, but I think it's not having Correa kind of increases the possibility of Otani. And, you know, if third base doesn't work out, there's nothing saying Steve Cohen can't sign Machado too. I, it's not insane. It's not off the table. It's really with the Mets, you look at it and go, what places are open and what aren't? We know Francisco Lindor is going to be the shortstop here for a long time. We know Brandon Nimmo is going to be the center fielder. We know Pete Alonso is going to be the first baseman. We don't know a lot beyond that. We think Alvarez will be here a long time, a catcher. We think McNeil will be a long time player here at second base. But you're right. Everything else is wide open. And with the signing of Correa, as much as it was exciting for the the boost that gave the lineup a gold glove, another gold glove out there on the left side of the infield. Um, it was one of those situations you go, okay, well, he's there for the next 12 years. He's at least holding down the left side of the infield probably for the next eight plus because they're not going to move on from the money anytime before that. Now it just kind of opens up more of the mystery of what impact move could they make? Or like you said, Joe, the most important aspect, what if Brett Beatty just grabs a hold of the reins here and says, you, good thing you didn't get Carlos Correa because I'm the first-round guy you drafted me to be the third baseman of your long-term future. And think back to just a year ago, the Houston Astros let Carlos Correa walk out the door, handed the shortstop reins to Jeremy Pena, and he wins World Series MVP. So, you know, sometimes going with the young player is a smart play. And just let him I think play. At the end of the day, Let's call it what it is. The Mets didn't want to do this. They they had visions of having Carlos Correa. They didn't want to have to turn to Brett Beatty and Eduardo Escobar. They were probably going to trade Eduardo Escobar if they. They wanted Carlos the sure Correa. thing. Correct. They wanted the sure thing, and so it you know now, and right now there's risk with with what they have at third base, and you know that's that comes with the territory. You know we talked about this too. Atlanta has played the young kids. You can't be afraid to do it, um, but. One thing that I think is really interesting to weigh here is when you think about this Mets window, it's it's kind of forever with Steve Cohen's money in a sense, but at the same the Joe time, Joe Burrow quote, yeah, as long as I'm Joe, here, the window is open. That's Steve Cohen like, in baseball, yes. But at the same time, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander are the driving forces of whether this team is going to win now and over the next couple of years that window is not very big. So I understand why the Mets wanted to really dive in. And unfortunately they tried and the physical didn't work out and they were able to be rational enough to step back, but it's going to be interesting to see how they pursue, you know, maybe the rest of this off season is light. Like, like I said, you know, maybe it's a Mancini, maybe it's an Adam Duvall, maybe they sign another bullpen guy and then they go to battle and they could be aggressive, more aggressive at the trade deadline than they were in 2022 and then obviously next offseason but that window of max scherzer and justin verlander is this year for sure max can opt out after this year so hypothetically it's just one year with those two guys 
but at most it's two, maybe three. So how they balance that window and really making sure they win right now um, is going to be interesting to follow over the next 12 months. All right, before we get to everyone's mailbag questions, a quick reminder, you're listening to the Mets Pod. Subscribe to the Mets Pod at Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You could watch on SNY's YouTube or wherever you get your shows. Joe, the people, your mentions were flooded, flooded before the news came down and then the follow-up after. Uh, there's a lot of emotion. I was actually overwhelmingly surprised about the, like I would say about 90% of the replies were, Either, okay, this had to be really bad, so good thing they didn't do this, or, hey, we keep moving. We, we got a World Series to win. This is still a really good team. So I, I actually appreciated that that was the consistent thought here. And this first one from Drew Kellenberger, his exact first line was, okay, time to move on. What about pivoting to Chafin and Adam Duvall? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You know, I just mentioned that a couple minutes ago. Maybe it's Mancini, it's Duvall, maybe if they want someone that's capable of playing center field. But one thing that I think is interesting, and I want to ask your opinion on this, actually flip flip the script here a little bit. I saw a lot of that too, where people are like, okay, because it's been a three-week thing that everyone I think was just sick of. Do yeah. you think? Do you think fan reaction would be different if, the physical was whatever Saturday it was Christmas Eve. Was it Christmas Eve or whatever? It was a Saturday that the physical was something like that. I think it was but, the Friday, but essentially Christmas Friday, Eve yeah. weekend. Yes. Yeah. Like if you found out the next day that the Mets were out on Correa, would the fan reaction have been worse instead of this three week stretch? And how many times I saw on Twitter and, and around people saying, I'm just sick of this Correa stuff. Just get it over with. And I think, at, I think people were resigned to the fact that whatever happened, happened. I wonder if it would have been different if it was kind of an instant, like, oh no, Mets are out too. I think the reaction, if that was the case, would have been by a lot of people using logic, oh, his ankle is held together by toothpicks and bubble gum. Because nobody has back-to-back, -back, he was in San Francisco dressed for the presser when they pulled the plug. That to, and San Francisco took a lot of heat for this. Um, not a lot of details were made at the time, available at the time. The Mets, I think, partially because not partially, but a little bit of it was how much Cohen wanted the player, worked really hard to protect both sides, get Correa 157 million guaranteed. And just hope for the best in those six years. And then after that, make it an NFL contract where it's pay as you go. And the Twins were willing to go above that $157 million. I mean, for reasons still unknown. It's, it's odd to me, right? And, and Joe, I, I get what you're saying. I really do. I do think there would have been a, a, a jarring disappointment level because of all those emotions in a 48-hour cycle. But the Giants having that kind of reaction in an offseason where they went all in to Aaron Judge, then they went all in to get Carlos Correa. They were doing everything possible to land a megastar to turn things around there. The Mets, who will go do will leave no stone unturned to get better in every single avenue and don't care about money at all. Both of those teams saying no, and the twins being the ones to say yes, even with still language written in based on player uh, time, 
plate appearances ex- to be exact. I, I yeah. think it's just you got to be honest here. Like this is this is not a good long term situation. Yeah, when you when you look at the Twins, I think it's one of those things that it's tough to get a star to want to come to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Like it no is. offense to Minnesota, like it's tough to convince people to go there. Like if they draft them and develop them themselves, like they did with Joe Maurer and Justin Morneau and Byron Buxton and these guys, like different conversation, but they had to convince Correa. So does that mean they turn a little bit of a blind eye? I think that's apparent. And one thing I think that's telling too is when this Mets deal was falling apart, we only heard about the Twins coming through. Like, so where where were the Red Sox? Where okay. were the Dodgers? Where were the Yankees? Where were let those me teams? read like, the next question because yeah. I I do want to hear from you on this. I thought this this was a great question to ask. This is from Jackie. Honestly, if the Mets felt the need to want yearly physicals for just a six year deal, it's got to be bad. And if that's the case, I'm okay with not signing him. Because you have to wonder at six years, why did the Dodgers or Red Sox never jump in? It's a good question, right? I I know the Dodgers are saving money, but at the same time, they're much in the vein of the Mets that they are willing to be opportunistic on things and pounce on things. And if they saw this as a value play, they probably would have done that. And we saw what's happening with the Red Sox. Trevor Story underwent a surgery to his elbow he's gonna be out four to six months so they don't even have a shortstop right now it's hard to envision that the twins were the only team willing to do it and i think that speaks volumes to the level of risk that they're taking and you know your points were really really sound especially the giants how motivated they were just to make a splash and they they were so afraid of this physical that they forewent a, a splash and signed Conforto and took a PR and, uh, hit. Mitch Hanniger and a big PR hit. And the Mets, it's a little less of a PR hit because of how much action they've done. Like it's, it's almost like we just completely forget and throw in our pocket that they signed Verlander. They signed Kodai Senga. They kept Edwin Diaz. They kept Brandon Nemo. Uh, they brought in David Robertson. They made all these moves and Correa was kind of like the, the icing on the top of the cake. And I'll tell you, I'm not a huge sweet person in general, but I very much prefer the icing over the cake in general. And so like, I understand why that was uh, tough for them, but yeah, it's definitely a great question. Why weren't more teams involved? And I would really like to see as time goes on, hopefully some more reporting on that. And it's Scott Boris. So there's no lack of effort. I I mean, this is somebody that can get teams involved when they weren't even sure they were going to be involved on players. And, you know, one last note of why the Twins here, why are they willing to take this kind of risk? The Twins have not finished, they finished under 500 the last two years in a division that, if you're in that division, I don't care if you, you have, have a chance. $20 million payroll, you always have a chance. You always have a chance. The Guardians have figured out a way to w- win that division without spending. The rest of the division is abysmal. I mean, even last year, the second place team finished 81 and 81. Yeah. I, that's crazy, dude. When you look at the situation compared to the Mets, yeah, it's a it's an easier division to win. So you know, good for the Twins. They got to keep Carlos Correa, and you know, obviously, I hope he's healthy and good. I don't wish bad things on him. It's a unfortunate circumstance. Like it's a tough it's a tough time for him. I know it's hard to feel bad for these guys that are pulling in thirty million dollars a year, but imagine having your family flown across the country for a fit for a press conference you go house shopping the day before the whole family is dressed up in their suits and dresses and everything they're wearing for the press conference and two hours before 
They say no. And obviously that's a downer. And then 12 hours later, your agent goes, don't worry about it, Carlos. We're good. We got 12, 315 from the Mets. And then that falls through too. And now he has a contract that, you know, like you said, it guarantees 200 million. So no one's going to feel too, too bad for him, but man, he has, he has a lot to prove and he potentially lost, you know, North of a hundred million dollars because of this ankle. All right. The last question here, this is kind of looking at the other side of things from Mikey who said, so I get why the Mets didn't want to guarantee the last six years of the contract, but why couldn't they just match what the twins offered? The twins gave him six years, six years from the Mets, even with a high AAV sounds like a good deal for the Mets to me. I mean, it, it fits closer to their, their mold of what they want to do. Cause that's another thing that we, ha we haven't really touched on. What they did with Correa was just like a complete outlier from what they're trying to do systemically. Is that the word? Yeah, I think that's the word. That's what I'm going to go with. Uh, like that, their idea is short-term big AAV. So like that's ultimately what they want to do. Um, so in, in a vacuum, yeah, why wouldn't, like why would they let the Twins outbid them by $6 million a year, basically the cost of a Brooks Raley, like you, like, why would you let that happen? It is, I think that is so telling as to how bad this physical was in the Mets point, doctor's point of view. And, you know, we talked about it earlier, how each year he had to pass a physical supposedly was like part of the deal. And if that's the case, they must have literally looked at his physical and said, I don't know how healthy this guy's going to be in 2024, 20, forget 2027, 2028. And if that's the case, then it's hard to hard to say like, yeah, they should have just, just went for it. I mean, Steve Cohen's willing to eat some money. We know that, but is he willing to eat a hundred million dollars? I think he'd definitely prefer to not do that. I think so too. I think it's just a matter of, there's a lot of information here that we don't know the specifics of. And one side will look really smart and one side will look really foolish or it'll fall exactly in the middle where Correa is exactly the player he's been for the since he came up to the big leagues for the next five years yeah. and then I mean, yeah and then everything starts to significantly trend the wrong way and let's not forget here joe this is a guy that is 28 he's playing yeah. the season as a 28 year old he hit free agency uh as a 27 year old because he got like already best it's the best time best of your life. Yeah, best case to hit free agency. Other than Juan Soto, who's going to be like an anomaly and like he's going to be like 25 or whatever when he hits free agency. But like 27, 28, that's like, boom, you're getting that 12, 13-year deal. You're getting that huge money. And um, obviously, it didn't quite work out for him in, in that light. But yeah, it's just, it's crazy how this has turned out. And, you know, I don't envision us seeing something like this anytime soon. I don't think so either. But you know what? It's over. The saga has ended. Uh, and with that, Joe, I ask you your closing thoughts for our latest episode of the Mets pod. It's a disappointing day. Obviously, we all wanted to see Carlos Correa in the lineup, but take some solace in the fact that the Mets are willing to stay firm on their doctor's opinions, on their baseball people's opinions. Steve Cohen is going to spend on this team this $300 million that he had kind of set for Correa will get spent one way or another somewhere. He's he's fully committed to trying to win with this team. They made what they thought was the logical decision. And, you know, like like we said, time will tell if they're right or wrong. Uh, but 
I I do to a degree commend their efforts. Um, you know, they are trying to go all in. And, you know, now there's probably just not that piece available to really make them go all in. Uh, but it's, you know, it's where the Mets are headed. They're going to be trying to win year in and year out. And they're always going to be focused on winning for the long term. So a uh, bit of a bummer of a day to have to talk about this as Correa not being a Met. But let's not forget, they won 101 games. You know, I don't need to repeat all that stuff. They won 101. The offense was fifth in run scored. The pitching staff. I would say I prefer this year's pitching staff to last year's pitching staff. And, you know, we're, we're going to see how it goes, but we're getting close to actual baseball. So it, as much as we love the offseason, I feel like after this three-week run with Carlos Correa, I'm ready for this offseason hot stove to just end. Just bring me to Port St. Lucie. Bring me to spring training. Let's see guys playing baseball. And then let's just see how the chips fall. I'm with you all the way. There's a lot to be excited about with this team. There's a lot of new faces. A lot of important old faces are back with the team. This team won over 100 games last year. I also think they have a move or two left in them before we ultimately get to spring training. So a lot to cover. We will be with you again next week and going forward for the rest of the year. So a reminder to subscribe to the Mets Pod at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll catch you next week.